2: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. Details at education.olemiss.edu. Good
3: morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, flood survivors regroup in southwest Mississippi following a weekend of rising water, and state officials move in to assess damage.
4: Seen a lot of uh, houses that had water damage to them, a lot of underinsured and no-insured homes. The most I've seen is probably about four feet on the outside of houses, anywhere from 20 to 30 feet. That didn't necessarily get inside of the houses.
3: Then Chiquita Banana returns to the state port fort. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on divine intervention. And the state's driver's license gets a new look. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Emergency management officials are assessing the damage after floodwaters tore through communities along the Mississippi-Louisiana state line over the weekend, According to early estimates by the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, about 71 homes and businesses have been hit by the flooding. The National Weather Service estimates 14 inches of rain fell on southwest Mississippi at the end of last week. Tina Jordan is a damage assessor for MEMA. She tells MPB's Paul Boger she's finding lots of damage in the area, including in homes with little or no insurance.
4: A damage assessment is where we come in with our iPhone and we have a what we call a collector app on there, and we go in there and assess the damage according to FEMA regulations of um, the homes, like the water levels and how much water actually got inside the residence.
1: Okay, so what have you seen so far today?
4: Seen a lot of uh, houses that had water damage to them, a lot of underinsured and no-insured homes.
1: What's the damage? How about how high was the water, can you say?
4: From the inside, the most I've seen is probably about four feet. um, On the outside of houses, anywhere from 20 to 30 feet, that didn't necessarily get inside of the houses, but... When I got here this morning, they were bringing the residents back from Natchez. They stayed in the shelter in Natchez last night, and they were bringing them back to their homes so we could talk to them.
1: What are you hearing from people?
4: They said the water came up fast. It happened real fast. A lot of them um, said they have not had this kind of damage since. Some of them have been here for a while, so they said two years ago in March or April of fourteen, And then some said it hadn't been this bad since the 80s, so it just depends on how long they've been here.
1: So about how many homes have you visited so far?
4: So far, I've probably done about 40 homes. I've probably got about 40 more to go, but there's two teams working, so we should be able to knock this out today.
1: So is that just here in Crosby?
4: Just here in Crosby. At some point, we're going to go to um, Amit County and Pike County, I believe, and then uh, we've got some other areas in Wilkinson County we've got to go to.
1: Is this kind of where the the flooding was worse, or is this just kind of widespread across this area?
4: Um, Crosby, I believe, was one of the worst hit areas, but then it's sporadic places throughout the county in Wilkinson County, which is where we are.
1: So what do you do with this data you collect?
4: As I put it in my phone, it populates to the stadium Floor at Mima and Pearl, and our executive director, Lee Smithson, takes it, and the governor can come in at any point in the governor's conference room and look at it, and as we're putting it on the, on the phone, it's populating at Mima. And once we get it all finished, then they take it and um, tally it up or whatever and send it up to FEMA to say how many homes are destroyed or minor or affected or whatever, and if they're accessible or not. And then FEMA makes a determination if we have enough to get a declaration or not.
1: What are you hearing from like officials around the the, the county? They're really kind
4: of waiting on us um, to see the numbers that we have, to see what the state says. Uh, that's why I want to get it done today in this area, because then it can make them have their determination on what steps they need to take next. I have a feeling that some people from Louisiana are probably going to influx over here before it's all over, but right now they've got a shelter open in Natchez.
1: Do you mean to the shelters over here? Or? Mm-hmm. Because they, it seems like they were a lot worse hit.
4: Yeah, they were. They had a lot, lot more evacuations and shelters than we did. They're very. Even though it's bad here, they are very blessed and fortunate. We had no fatalities.
1: I know emergency management is always trying to be prepared for stuff, but in your opinion, can you be prepared for a flood like this?
4: Well, as far as your personal property, no. I mean, you can't pick up your house and move it. But as far as you as a person, yes. If it's fixing to rain and you know it's fixing to be a lot of rain, get up and get out. And if you want to, package some of the stuff that means the most to you and take it with you and go to higher ground. But these houses are in a low-lying area. And so it's really hard to prepare your home for it unless you sandbag and I wouldn't even begin to know how much sandbagging they'd have to do.
1: Were a lot of these folks able to get out before the flooding happened?
4: Um, Some of them had to be rescued by boat, but I think the majority of them took heed and left before the rain came.
3: MPB's Paul Boger with Tina Jordan of Mima Tarika Bates was driven from her home in Crosby by the flooding she tells Paul Boger the waters came fast and the water damage to her home is extensive
0: nasty stanky mold, mold everywhere the walls um, crack. the floors are um when you walk on them they're going in they're wet it's real bad mudding spiders everywhere might maybe snakes it's it's bad
1: what do you do? Do Y'all you have homeowners insurance?
0: Yes. Yeah.
5: Mhm.
1: Flood insurance?
0: Everything. But I think majority of the people who have the houses, I don't think they have insurance because insurance don't offer flood insurance for this area because they say it's not a flood area. But this is like the third time in two years this t- town has flooded, so I don't know why insurance companies don't offer flood insurance.
1: What do you What do you do now?
0: Pray and pray for better days and take one day at a time. Where are you staying? Well, last night I stayed with my uncle on the hill because he got higher grounds. But the last two nights I've been staying at Hampton Inn and in Natchez.
1: Where do you go from here? Long journey. Are you from here? Yes, sir. Tell me a little bit about what happened. I mean, how quick was all of this?
0: Well, I, Friday I woke up to take my, drop my baby off at school. The weather was real bad. and It took me about 40 minutes to get to Woodville, probably about 45 minutes to get back. And when I made it back, the wind was high and the water was rising. So I went in the house, and when I came back out, the water was everywhere. So when I went to my mother's house, when she lives around the road, when I came back, it was the big rush. It was worse. See how I did my driveway? Both of my driveways. Yeah, it was, I'm not going to say scary because I'm a believer. So, but it was bad.
1: How long did it take?
0: Oh, I think this time, I have some pictures in this home. But of course. It's getting it higher and higher. I'm, tr- I'm coming out the hill from my uncle's house.
1: Oh my god, y'all pray for us. Luckily, this time I was in my
0: car. Last time my car got flooded, two years ago, Ooh, years years I had to get a new car. But this time money. I was in my car, so <laughs> I was blessed. <laughs> I got everything. The so soggy over here. Look my my train all in my photo. Mm-hmm. That's the house right over there. Washed his back away. My dad had put it back so I could get in there, but the back steps are gone. The pool, everything. Mm-hmm.
6: That's
0: how that water was rushing.
3: MPB's Paul Boger with Tariqa Bates of Crosby. She was driven from her home by floodwaters over the weekend. Up next, Shakita Banana returns to the State Port at Gulfport. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: One thorny question at the Olympics. Should athletes who are anatomically or genetically ambiguous be allowed to compete against women?
7: It's the most complicated issue in sport because it's so layered, you know. It's just so loaded. It's like every single topic here is a, is a landmine.
0: Intersex athletes and the controversy around sex and sport later on All Things Considered from NPR
6: News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The state port at Gulfport is welcoming back one of its long term tenants. The return of Chiquita Banana to the port brings with it the promise of 80,000 hours of work a year for local longshoremen, which is equal to 40 jobs. The first Chiquita vessel arrived last night. The banana giant left for the port of New Orleans two years ago. Darius Johnson is president of the local longshoremen's union. He tells MPB's Evelina Burnett the banana boats are a welcome sight.
8: Well, um, it'll actually be... 40 to 45 people actually working the vessel. Um, we'll also have um, several people that will be also working in the yards and, you know, servicing chassis and the whole nine yards. So
3: so what is the mood here at the local about this Chiquita vessel coming back after, you know, two years of them being
8: away? Wow, we're, we're very excited. Um, you know, of course, when Chiquita departed a couple of years ago, um, we actually went through some, some difficult times, some tough times, but, you know, I think we also we found out a lot about ourselves, you know. Um, so what we did, we actually just stuck together and we shared the work that we had. So for them to, um, to actually come back and return, you know, our spirits are real high, and we just felt like, you know, that we was real productive for, you know, the Chiquita organization once before. So we, we're going to be even more productive this go-around.
3: How many hours are you expecting it to add?
8: Wow. Well, before Chiquita departure, uh, the average hours were around 80,000 a year. Uh, we are looking to exceed that. Uh, you know, hopefully 100,000 would be great. But, you know, it's going to be a plus uh, either way for us.
3: So 80 so let's say 80,000 hours. Um, how many hours have you had the past few years in total?
8: Um, our total hours the past few years are around 240, maybe 250 in that area. So that 80,000 hours represented, uh, you know, a third of the man hours that we do have here at the Port of Gulfport, so, which is a, a real significant number. So it's a plus to get them back, and it's a plus to uh, to actually be able to accumulate those man hours.
3: Um, are you going to be able to, you know, bring any new workers on? Or is this just basically going to cover the, the folks that you already have in the
8: union? Well, yes, what happens is um, the the people that actually lost their jobs uh, when Chiquita de- departed, uh, they will be given first priority to get back to work. But, yes, when you have a tenant to to actually come aboard, it always does open doors for new people and, So we've we've been working real hard the last few months as far as getting people trained up in certain positions and whatnot. So uh, when these tenants come in, we can hit the ground running.
3: MPB's Evelina Burnett with Darius Johnson of the Longshoremen's Union on the return of Shakita Banana to the State Port at Gulfport. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on divine intervention. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio
6: beginning august the 19th friday night under the lights returns to mississippi public broadcasting hello everyone i'm russ robinson join me jay white jake wimberly george broadstreet and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of mississippi so join us beginning august the 19th right here on mpb think radio
0: One thorny question at the Olympics, should athletes who are anatomically or genetically ambiguous be allowed to compete against women?
7: It's the most complicated issue in sport because it's so layered, you know. It's just so loaded. It's like every single topic here is a, is a landmine.
0: Intersex athletes and the controversy around sex and sport later on All Things Considered
3: from NPR News.
6: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. How do you know if there's a God? Well, 85-year-old Alex Carrillo says he knows, as he explains in the StoryCorps mobile studio on its stop in Mississippi.
7: We were all having beer at a uh, cantina. And uh, he comes, this guy with uh, pork, pork rinds. Uh, and we bought some, and he, he, he sprinkled hot uh, pepper seeds on that. And I put one in my mouth, and the uh, <clears throat> one of the guys said something funny. And as when when I started laughing, I I got that that uh, all that powder right in my throat, and boom! I couldn't couldn't uh, breathe anymore. So I ran to the where the. Cantina guy who was uh, making the things, telling him how, what, what happened. I couldn't talk, but I can mimic there. And then one of my friends came over, he says, I think he wants some water. So he came out of water, nothing. Then everything starts fading away. And I said, I'm dying, I'm dying. Then I remember they grabbed me by the arms. They were dragging me to I don't know where at the time. And I could see the windows. The windows had a glow coming coming from outside. And I said, this is death. And um, <clears throat> they took me all the way to the bathroom. <clears throat> and they started punching me in the back. But I wasn't feeling anything. All I can drink is... Uh, I don't want to die in a cantina. My mother was going to kill me. <laughs> I want to get out of here. Take me out. Take me out. Throw me in the street. And all uh, of a sudden, a voice came saying, uh, tried to throw up. Well, I was with my arms up and my hands were next to my face and put my, my finger into the thing. And I went, and I could breathe. <clears throat> At the same time, I could feel one of the guys was hitting me in the back. <laughs> and all I could remember says, don't hit me, don't hit me. And another guy says, he's all right, don't hit him anymore. But I was breathing. <gasps> you never know what sweet smell is or a urinal. Me <laughs> trying to breathe the best air in the world, I couldn't get enough of it. So I said, uh, "Which of you?" I uh, told me to to uh, try to throw out. And the other guy says, "Nobody." Somebody told me that it had to be God. And. Uh, that's what convinced me there is a God. To hear more of
6: our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. August the 19th, Friday night under the lights returns to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us beginning August the 19th right here on MPB Think Radio. beginning august the 19th friday night under the lights returns to mississippi public broadcasting hello everyone i'm russ robinson join me jay white jake Wimberly, george broadstreet and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of mississippi so join us beginning august the 19th right here on mpb think radio
3: Mississippi drivers will see a new design when they renew their licenses. The Department of Public Safety is phasing in a new state-of-the-art system with upgrades at kiosks and the online service first. DPS spokesman Warren Strain tells MPB's Cesare Frazier the current antiquated licensing system is being overhauled to provide more security and reduce wait times.
2: Well, the entire system is getting a complete overhaul. It's the largest, most dramatic change uh, in the driver's license system since the highway patrol became into existence 78 years ago. It'll be a complete overhaul of the system, which will streamline it and also uh, give us uh, a new driver's license for the state of Mississippi.
5: They're available right now. If I go to get my license uh, renewed, I'm going to get that new look.
2: Well, if you go if renew uh, via the kiosks that are at the driver's license station or if you uh, renew or get a duplicate over the Internet, you'll get the new look. Uh, the driver's license will be issued at the driver's license stations phased in beginning in September and then spread statewide by the conclusion of this calendar year.
5: And so where are the kiosks?
2: The kiosks are located uh, at various locations around the state. You can go to our website and get those locations where the kiosks are.
5: I understand Uh, you said that it's supposed to reduce wait time.
2: There's a streamline uh, effect that will occur. We're going to add kiosks around the state, which will uh, alleviate some of the traffic that has to go to the counter to get a driver's license. Also the system itself will have some workflow, is what they call it, built into it that will also reduce the wait times. Uh, also we have a queuing system that's in place now, and so with these features, it will streamline and reduce the wait time when you go to renew your driver's license. The workflow is what it's called, is mm-hmm. the technical term of it, but it's a computer program, of course, that, uh, that drives the whole system, and the flow inside uh, within the uh, computer system will reduce the wait times because it'll streamline uh, what the computers have to do and the information they process, so it'll move it along a lot quicker
5: so it's it's uh modern technology that's helping us speed up this process
2: there's no question about it. The uh, old system that is in place now uh, has was old when we got it twenty five years ago. It was second hand, so uh, it is antiquated and uh being held together just with a hope and a prayer so to speak and so we got two and a half million documents out there when you talk about driver's license and IDs and identifications, uh, so ID cards. And so once uh, we get this into place, uh, we want to make sure that it's done in a measured way and so that the whole system doesn't collapse.
5: And you mentioned that uh, there are some other enhanced features.
2: Yes, there are security features that will be uh, included in the new driver's license, which will make uh, each document more secure, and also that will better protect a person's identity.
5: When you look at your license, basically it has your address and, and your date of birth but w- with your expiration date on the end, so it's not. But is there any other information that um, the Department of Public Safety has that could be um, hacked or something?
2: Well, there's always that op- uh, that. Uh, potential there, but the system will be upgraded, of course, and will have new internal security features as well, which will make it more difficult to access from someone from the outside of the system.
5: Is this going to require new training for staff?
2: Yes, there will be training, and uh, that has been ongoing. This process has taken about five years from planning through implementation, and so throughout the course of that, there has been uh, training ongoing as well
5: will the fees increase?
2: At this point, we do not anticipate any fee increases uh, in the driver's license. We have a four-year license and an eight-year license, but we don't see that fee at this point changing.
5: Well, I guess it might be too early to tell how it's impacting service at this
2: point. Right. It, it's, it's a little bit too early, but uh, we are hopeful, and the whole uh, The philosophy behind an objective is to create a better experience for folks who do come in to get their driver's license renewed or get duplicate license.
3: MPB's Desiree Frazier with DPS spokesman Warren Strain on the state's new driver's license renewal system. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up this morning, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show, there are several ways you can listen on our website, mpbonline.org, through the MPB Multimedia app, or search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. You can subscribe to the show right there. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
2: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 through leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. Details at education.olemiss.edu.
6: It's Marketplace Tech for Tuesday, August 16th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. Judges weigh a lot of...